Get a VPN. Seriously. Hello and welcome to episode number 77 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Friday, July 17th, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I'm hoping to roll lucky double sevens here. Luck be a lady. What do you say? And from America's left coast, run by a motherfucking authoritarian fascist tyrant piece of shit asshole virtue signaling bought and paid for douchebag cunt waffle dictator of a governor. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Man, I'm going to need the sensor button. Yeah. It would already be yeah. broken. I, I just, you know, we're not even trying on this one. Uh, yesterday, a new proclamation from our fucking emperor on high said uh, uh, no, no gatherings indoor or outdoor anywhere in the state of more than five people, because apparently people were doing, uh, you know, it, it being July. People were doing things like backyard barbecues and not sufficiently respecting his authority. And so the day before I'm about to go out on vacation, camping outdoors, where there's no chance of virus passing, because for one thing, there is no fucking virus. It's the summer. Flu viruses aren't in the summer. But no, this guy is not feeling like his authority is being respected enough. And so he says, uh, you are not allowed to have any gathering of more than five people anywhere in the state. And so fuck you, Jay fucking Inslee. Well, how also does, that, how that does description I started the show with probably could have worked for almost any governor in this country right now. Well, I mean, there's no doubt there is virus, but the severity is a big question. But the question in, in this case is what is an, uh, you know, an event? Because when you're talking about people being outside, well, what is an event? I mean, if your backyard could fit 100 people with everybody socially distanced, I mean, is that one event? I, I don't get it. I, well, in, in the case of us, we're not we're no longer camping in one event. It's going to be uh, several families camping all independently, completely right. separate, who happen to be near each other. And that's that's totally going to happen. Right. Because I don't get the concept of an event. I mean, I can understand, well, restaurants but can only have a certain the, amount of people, but when you're outdoors, the, the trick isn't the trick isn't what you could uh, argue in uh, the court of law, because frankly, all of these unconstitutional proclamations will will fail if they ever see a courtroom. Uh, the trick is, what can you do to avoid getting harassed by Karens and local law enforcement's being spurred on by Karens or arrested? Yeah. Well, did you see yeah. the Karen? Did you? I called her a rainbow hair that I don't even know where this was. She was an employee, maybe the manager of a grocery store, and she attacked. Well, attacked is a really strong word, but she harassed a family, two parents, male and female, believe it or not, and a kid, and for not wearing masks. And as she comes well, up to ma them, male and female, that's that's racist. I know I shouldn't have said that uh, into the traditional nuclear family, man, that we, we shouldn't be talking about that. It's dangerous stuff. We might get we might get deplatformed on the tubes or somewhere but this woman if she was one i'm not sure don't want to misgender then uh, and then that would be a problem but she's going after these people for not wearing masks as this whatever the hell she has on her face is continually falling off and even when she pulls it up it's like three inches in front of her face it's like you do realize that's not a mask and that wouldn't be 
doing anything, even if you want to believe that masks can stop the virus. Re- realize do. they don't even care. Yeah. But Ma- it's like masks is love. The, the mask it does not exist for it, it has nothing to do. It is completely divorced from any science or, or actual facts about the virus. And it is entirely uh, about propagating fear and making sure that you are in the in group and, and belong to the people who are so afraid of, uh, well, it doesn't matter what they're afraid of, but this week it happens to say they use the word virus. I don't think most of them even know what it means other than it's something you can't see and you're supposed to be afraid of it. But when you're that having a mask, that when you have yeah. something, but it's not even anywhere near close to being on your mouth and you're yelling at other people for not having anything, <laughs> it's like, it's no different. None. None. You Idiot. keep trying to apply yeah. logic to this. I know. I keep thinking that people, once you get into your you know 20s, this chick look like maybe mid 20s or so, that you would have some kind of logic in your brain. But I forgot. No. The school system sucks so badly we that that's what we that need anymore. to get rid of. We don't teach. We don't teach people logic or critical thinking anymore. That's gone. That's out the window. Yeah, we teach like, social that was, justice. That was warrior. fading when I was in public school. We teach SJW, but uh, we don't teach logic. We don't have the. We teach people to go virtue signal that people aren't wearing a mask while the thing that they have is doing nothing and not even staying on and falling down and is five inches in front of her face and she's so stupid that she can't see that so i mean this is why you can no longer have debates or even a conversation with people that are this far gone no of course not because trying to because logic and and rational discussion is racist you are trying to to interfere with somebody's intersectionality by bringing your your logic and race in in, or your your white privilege You, you are exercising white privilege by using logic which Come to think of it, I, that 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 was sarcasm, by the way, in case anybody thought that I believed that. But that is an actual argument that I've heard and is also one of the more racist things I've ever heard is the implication that somehow if you're not white, right. then you don't know how to do use critical thinking and logic. That is that is some racist shit right there. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. You're black. That's OK. I'm, I'm going to. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to expect you to use any logic because i know that as black people you're not able to you know that that is some bullshit that is the kind of stuff that if you think that you are the racist hey and everybody in the troll room get onto no agenda social or somewhere right now and what's the over under on will ryan bemrose be arrested on his vacation for not social distancing saying something racist or wrong well, no, the, the the poll is not Will Ryan Bemrose get arrested? The poll is what will be the what? reason that Ryan Bemrose gets right. arrested? That's that. Yeah, you're right. That is a better one. What will be the reason? What will be the charges? And uh, if anybody out there has bail money, be sure to get in touch with us. grumpyoldbenz.com If you want to help in I that way. It, I find it an interesting coincidence that I recently received uh, a uh, pamphlet in the mail telling me all of the reasons why I need to pass the school levy, which is effectively uh, a continuation and potential increase in property taxes for the purpose of funding schools. These are the same schools that have remained shuttered for the last seven months and are probably not all going to open up. In fact, uh, at this point, knowing you know what, what I predict about Inslee, he will probably 
try to keep us in a constant state of butt puckering terror right. and keep his knee on the neck of the economy Danger. for at least the next six to 12 months because we have to go through this entire winter. You know, the, the period where viruses do exist, we have to go through that entire winter. And if, if we haven't been free of the, the virus fear for the summer, we're screwed when there's actually flu viruses around. So, yeah. Tell me again what I'm paying for by passing more taxes on myself for schools. You're what, paying. What exactly are these teachers doing? You're paying so they can defund the police before they go back to work and take away all of the services that you rely on to keep a society running smoothly. They're going to get rid of all of those, but they're very important. The teachers are very important. Yes. Their union's very important. I, I think you just nailed it. Teachers union, good police union, bad. And that might be have to do with with which political party the unions uh, support. But uh, I'll, I'll leave that as a an exercise to the reader. Oh, yeah. And before. You know, the, yeah. Before the, we the get into this, is, this, this oh, big Twitter. I, I was just going to say that schools are there are they've stopped teaching people a long time ago. I, you don't have kids, so maybe you don't realize this, but the primary benefit for almost all public schools today, because they're not really teaching your kids anymore. The primary benefit is they're babysitters. Well, both parents can go off to work. They're failing at that. That's the thing that most people get out of school, out of sending their kids to school is get, get away from me for a few hours. I got to go do useful stuff. And yeah, they don't really care if they're actually being educated. No, that's never been important. But it, you know, the, a lot of people really just treat school like this is a place I can go to babysit my kids for a while. And when all the kids are required to stay home, suddenly you don't have that. What are you getting out of schooling again? Well, let, let us be clear. The babysitting is still happening at the college level. This isn't just like we're getting rid of our uh, well, five, eight, the, ten year olds. The, the people, well, the people who are still at college, which is not many because colleges are like, oh, no classes. So uh, you're you're free to stay locked in your dorm room. You can't even walk in the hallways <laughs> at, yeah. at West Virginia University. The chief of police, which I mean, I guess this is the university cops that I guess he was on a Zoom call and what the students saw in the background triggered them. It made them go nuts. And the response was nothing short of a full outrage. And do you know what they saw in the background of this what, guy's um, a, a patch of pale skin? Well, he, he is white. So there, there is well, that, then, but let's, no, I'll, no I'll give you a hint. Outraged. I'll give you a hint. It was a flag. What kind of flag do you think would outrage people in West Virginia? Uh, West Virginia, um, possibly uh, a swastika, um, maybe a Union Jack, uh, I don't know, a rainbow flag. <laughs> I mean, you're close on all of these, but he dared to have one well, of all, the. All of those are things are, are values that the, the left seems to be. Yeah. Anyway, he dared to have one of the American flags with the one blue stripe, which honors police officers. That was enough to trigger the students, causing this guy to have to apologize to the community, acknowledging the hurt that he caused. (laughs) Man, I get I, I get a freedom boner whenever I hear somebody deciding to stand up against this cancel culture bullshit crowd. And then uh, it it withers right away as soon as 
somebody stands in front of a group and says, I'm sorry, I apologize for whatever you think that I did wrong. That's okay. You're caving. Yes. Students call it the flag a traumatic symbol. Yeah. Well, students need some fucking trauma in their lives. It's part of growing up. Deal with it. Yeah. I'm sorry. If you're sending your kids to college and at this point in their life, which usually, you know, 18, 22 or so years old, if seeing an American flag with a blue stripe to honor police officers triggers them and outrages them, you failed as fucking parents. Sit those kids down and explain to them why they're idiots. I, I was all ready to interrupt, and that point was so good, I just couldn't. <laughs> it's, it's, I, you know, there's some things you can have this debate about. The, you know, I don't believe any piece of cloth can be racist, and we cover that with the Confederate flag and that, but I understand where people can see that kind of meaning behind it. A flag that honors police officers, if that is triggering your kids, you did something wrong as a parent, very wrong as a parent. It's not just on your kids. You need to instill some more values and logic and reason into their brains. I, I, I'm not convinced this point has anything to do with police officers. If a flag is triggering your kids to the point where they're making that kind of reaction, right? then there is something really freaking unbalanced here and, and you need to adjust the medication or something. I don't know. No, I agree. I mean, it doesn't matter what flag it is. Even if somebody sees a Nazi flag hanging, if somebody then loses their shit, literally goes nuts and breaks down because they literally cannot handle seeing something, then they've got a problem. And we've, again, don't have to go over that whole thing again and again as far as symbols and what they mean. My dad somewhere, I saw it once, it was stuck somewhere. He had an uncle who fought in World War II that took down some Nazi bunker or something like that. And they took the flag down that was flying and the whole platoon signed it. And my dad's in possession of that somewhere. But it's like he didn't save it because he likes the Nazis. He saved it because the guys that went over there and kicked their ass. Yeah, so, he, he saved it because the acquisition of it is a memory that he'd like to keep in his mind. Exactly. It, the, the occasion whereby it was acquired, it, it is not a symbol. In, in this case, that flag is no longer a symbol of what the Nazis represented. It's a symbol of the event that that led to their downfall. And and, the, you know, the symbols can mean multiple things here. Lesson, you SJW dumbasses, symbols can mean more than one thing. A Confederate flag can, in fact, mean uh, I like my skin color better than all others. But it can also mean there is something about the American South that I think is not entirely deplorable. And I know that was a racist thing to just say that there might be something redeeming about this entire region of the country. That's that's a terrible thing to say, according to some of these cancel culture idiots. But yeah, you might be flying a symbol because it represents something good and wholesome. And you might be the only person who who thinks that this is a racist thing. And then when you go and freak out and Karen all over the place and <laughs> you're making you're destroying society. Congratulations. You retard. Yes. Literally making everything black go back and white. to school and then stay there forever because they're not teaching you anything. We right because you're not learning reason. You're not learning how to debate. You're doing nothing but being programmed. And that doesn't work no matter what your ideology is. When you're just being programmed with key phrases that you can pull out of your pocket when somebody says or does something, 
But when somebody tries to have an honest conversation and you just got, ah, you're a racist, you know, it, no, there, there's no such thing as an honest conversation anymore. That is that is absolutely true. But we have to talk about the big Twitter hacking, because I think this is a beautiful thing. I, I, I knew you were going to bring this one up and I did not make any notes on it. I, of course, have opinions on it, but you already know my opinions about Twitter. Well, it's the biggest so, so, way yeah. people communicate right now, as far as in a public sphere, I believe. And the fact that it was brought down and that was the first thing that was you know looked at when I, I'm I read absolutely the story. convinced that there's more useful information on no agenda social than there is on Twitter. Oh, I'm sure there probably is, but and that's that's not like a per user thing. I mean, total. Well, there's no doubt about it because Twitter has turned into being nothing but the echo chamber where people post the same stuff over and over again. Like the other day when Trump had something that came out saying that Biden's new policy thing, whatever it was called, is going after the suburbs. And everybody's like, oh, he's an idiot, just like he was an idiot about hydrochloroquine, which he's been vindicated on, but the media won't cover it. Just like the media said he was idiots when he talked about UV light uh, working with the uh, solving this virus puzzle. And now that's gone down the same path that he was right. No matter what he says, the media will call him an idiot. And he said that they're going after your suburbs and people are like, oh, what's he going to go after our cul-de-sac? Well, no, this has been going on for years, how the government wants to the left i shouldn't say the government the left wants the government to treat the suburbs as extensions of the cities even though they're individual cities they want to bring money from no. the suburbs into the cities they no, want fuck, to fuck force those guys they will well, seattle fuck chicago yeah they want to force the you know public housing in every suburb they want to you know do all the, of the these mini, things the many tyrants who are only voted by the people in the big city want to expand their power and lord it over the people who didn't vote for them and would never vote for them because they moved out to the suburbs to get away from the corrupt bullshit in the city. Right. I mean, there's homeless people in the city. So you move out to the suburbs. They want the homeless people to be in your suburbs, too, because that's the only fair thing. Oh, but, we've got that. But we have the in uh, this great Twitter hack. The intriguing thing to me is how did this happen? Because we've seen things in the past and you know, all sorts of different things where user accounts have been owned, how somebody has gotten into. We talked about all of the things like your security questions and public information. Well, this was a hack that hit a bunch of the big blue checkmark accounts at once from Joe Biden I think it's to Obama to, you know, Microsoft and Bill Gates all at once. I think it's pretty charitable to call it a hack when, yeah. when you find out how they did it. Well, it was paying money, it seems, to a Twitter employee. You know, I think it was $2,000 was the amount that was mentioned. And I'm like, really? That's I, all? I would have hold out, held out for a lot more than that. Yeah, because they got, they're estimating what? Like well over a hundred and something thousand in Bitcoin within just an hour or two was That's, generated. Yeah, yeah that, that, that from the the... 419 scam that that they I, I if you have the ability to tweet on behalf of some of these really big i mean if you've planned this out correctly you can make tens of millions of dollars in minutes just by you know you you take over say uh uh you know the fed chair and tell them that the interest rates are moving and you invest the right place and boom you just 
you know, tripled your money in seconds or, uh, you know, any, any large official, you, you take over, uh, you know, governor Cuomo and, and announce some new policy. Uh, you can move millions of people. Twitter is infuriatingly like that. Yeah. Our buddy cold acid in the no agenda troll room that we use to get feedback while we're doing these shows live at no says, well, you know, socially engineered. And we talked about that. I know here and on random thoughts at one point when we talked about Kevin Mitnick, social engineering is a way easier way to break into computer systems than actually having the skills to hack because people are the weakest link. This seems to be no exception to that rule. And a Twitter employee gave these people access. And you're absolutely right. If you have access to these accounts, because Twitter, like anything else, people have been just drone into their mind, especially when they see that little blue check mark that Twitter has verified the legitimacy of the source of the tweets. And well, in a yeah, case like I, this, you have to trust Twitter and people do. I don't. But this is a case where you can post, like you said, anything you could do, all sorts of market manipulation. But in this case, it was the scam, which has been around for a while, which is, well, I'm looking to give away some money. So whatever you send me in Bitcoin, I'll double and send back to you. And it's a yeah. great concept. It's the 419 scam. You know, it's it's the Nigerian prince that that you I, I got that scam in email chain letters back when emails took 24 hours to propagate over Fidonet. I was getting that scam and people are falling for it because they think. Oh, well, sure. Barack Obama would do this. Joe Biden, Michael Bloomberg, Elon Musk, Kanye West and others that were their accounts were used for this. And I mean, the again, the hilarity of this is the fact that a Twitter employee took maybe just two thousand bucks. And, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to him, but I'm assuming, you know, maybe there is no law that was broken, I guess, which is interesting. I mean, he'll be fired, but, uh, you know, I don't know. If this was actually breaking any laws, because he technically wasn't hacking. If you're an employee at the place, you have this power to, I guess, which should scare everybody. The fact that a random Twitter employee can post anything they want to anybody's account, that's kind of shitty. It might be shitty, but to be honest, the thing that blows me away about the whole story is the number of people who are acting shocked and dismayed to find out that Twitter has this power. Excuse me. It's their database. Of course they have the ability to do that. Uh, They could do it at the code level. They can do it at the DBA level. It turns out that they wrote a feature, which makes it really easy for anybody who happens to be strolling through their lobby to go and hack tweets that, but that's not, that's not unique. Anybody with access to the database Databases can be changed. They're not inviolate. And if if you think that for a moment that Twitter has any incentive or value in make in, in guaranteeing the integrity of tweets against themselves, <laughs> then you are way too trusting and deluded. Well, and I was right on, man. Right on with random thoughts last week saying, get all of your data off of these messaging services and go to a completely non-centralized system like Tox. And then this happens. So, I mean, I feel vindicated for that episode of Random Thoughts saying, don't trust any of your DMs on these sites. 
Don't trust that any messages that are saved in these sites are not going to be leaked or used. Don't you have no privacy, even when you're doing your normal SMS text messages. But with this Twitter thing, the most interesting thing that came out of this was hackers being hackers and criminals being criminals. They also decided once they had access to this system to send out screenshots. And this is what's really causing some ripples as of today, more than the fact that these accounts were hacked, that there yeah, was the, a, the number of people who who were stupid enough to use Twitter DMs for things that they never, ever wanted to get out and are now having their Epstein moments. Yeah, they should be a little bit worried about that. But Vice was able to attain a screenshot of the internal tool used by the compromised Twitter employees account, and it includes two tags that can be applied to users accounts. One search blacklist and two trends blacklist so now we know these things that they always said didn't exist so uh i'm assuming i mean they don't they they have refused twitter believe it or not i mean that doesn't surprise me to comment the the, the vehemence with which they insisted that these features didn't exist despite all evidence to the contrary should have been taken as evidence that of course they exist Yes. So when you see something like search blacklist that could be applied to somebody's account, we know Adam Curry of the No Agenda podcast has had issues in the past with I know I had issues finding his tweets. And if you follow him, you you still aren't going to get half of his tweets. Yes. And in this case, a search blacklist, I'm assuming, which means even if you do a search exactly for that tweet, not going to show up. A trends blacklist means no matter what, the tweets won't show up in the trends. I mean, unless Twitter, if you want to reach out to us and tell us, that search blacklist and trends blacklist means something different. And I would have to say, calling them a blacklist, kind of racist, Twitter, kind of. And, and while you're at it, Twitter, can you explain to me why nobody has seen any of my tweets for years? Because you don't have an account. I want Twitter to explain that. I want I, them I want to them. explain that. And I'm really even more surprised at this point. And because I've thought about doing it myself for a, a nice parody account. But I mean, we're, we're, popular enough here that i'm surprised none of our experts have signed up to be sir bemrose on twitter that could be a lot of fun just saying it 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 would fascinate me and i would probably you know give you crap about it but you wouldn't follow them because you don't have a twitter account so it would be perfect no no but the possibility exists i might even read it (laughs) you know you have to do it in a good way and just be totally snarky and totally negative about everything and then, is there any other way? No. And that would be uh, that would be the way you would have to do it. So this is the the fallout on this Twitter hack is going to be coming out uh, down the pipe for a long time, I believe, because this is the stuff. This is even more interesting of the the looking behind the the mythical curtain at Twitter to see how the, all the sausage is made. This, I think, is going to have much longer repercussions than just, well, our site was hacked for a couple of hours and people posted stuff and people lost money. Well, it's it's certainly going to have the fallout that a number of people are going to lose faith in Twitter. Uh, not, not nearly enough, by my estimation. Plenty of people will sit here and go, oh, well, they obviously fixed it and will remain oblivious and continue using it because following celebrities is is really, really critically important for a lot of people. And and that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Don't trust if them you, with your data. If you I'm trying to decide what the, the demographic slice is amongst people who are going to look at this 
and decide, okay, I, I shouldn't use Twitter anymore because they've lost my confidence that haven't already had more than enough ample evidence to have lost confidence already in the company and left already. Well, there, I think there are two completely different levels of using Twitter. And there are a lot of people that use Twitter without attaching it to their real name. And of course, that lets you post a whole lot of stuff. Maybe you wouldn't if it was tied to your real name. And I believe a lot of people use it and do nothing but, like you said, follow their favorite celebrities and never post anything. You're not in any danger if you're using Twitter in those ways, especially the latter one. Back in 2014, I, I argued that there were only three valid uses for Twitter, only three things that people really use it for. Uh, one was press releases, two was worshiping celebrities, and three was being celebrities. That sounds about right. Um, I, that may have changed in some small cases, but that still seems to be what the bulk of it is about. Hey, like I said, talks for the people and, that use Twitter and communicate with their friends and DMs. Go to talks for people that are using Facebook and communicate using Messenger. Go to talks. Don't actually so, have communications with people that you know. I mean, that is one thing Twitter is also good for if you want to reach out and quickly send a message to somebody that's not in your friend circle. It's easy to do, but don't communicate anything that yeah. is important to you via Twitter. And, and and just be aware that even if you know, in this case, I think we're pretty sure that, that Twitter is a scumbag company. That's what we just but just be aware that that hacks do happen regardless. Uh, you know, there there are some things you can do to protect yourself, like. Uh, don't put really embarrassing stuff in DMS because you're sending that out to the cloud. Uh, if, if, and also don't go crying that you don't have a hundred percent security. If you want a hundred percent security, then, then I'll go ahead and paraphrase what you just said, which is don't communicate. You said some things after that, but really that's the only way to get hundred percent communication security. Yeah. Uh, while we're on the topic of, of abandoning social networks, you would be very proud of me. What did you do? Uh, I ran a script that went through my entire history of comments on Reddit and changed every single comment to uh, every single post, everything I've ever posted in seven years on Reddit uh, has been edited to say this comment has been removed due to Reddit's consistent uh, violations of our content policy. And the words content policy were a hyperlink to the First Amendment. Nice. Now, will this be the reason why Reddit stops people from editing things that are like older than a day or so on their sites. Uh, you know, to be honest, uh, the the way that Reddit worked back in the day, according to a code link leak from 2015, uh, was that they store the most recent edit, but they also store every deleted post, which means if you just go through and delete your posts, it's still there and can be brought back by somebody with database access. But if you edit your post, they don't store previous revisions. So if you edit your post first, that discards whatever was there. And the only thing that's stored is the latest edit. Um, that became public and it became a very popular method of people erasing their their history so that, you know, because it's uh, if you care about privacy, it, it's valid to go back and just just for a pure cleanliness sake, go erase your post history on these sites. Just so that, for example, you don't get somebody going back to a tweet that you sent in 2012 and comparing it to the 
cancel culture of today and deciding that that means you should lose your job. Uh, it, it, it may have been completely uh, innocent back in 2012 and you may have actually meant that shit in 2012 and now you don't mean it now. But, but as we've seen many, many stories of things that people have said in the social networks in the past have, have come back to bite people and it's just good privacy policy to go back and delete everything that you've had there. Now that said, this has become pretty popular on Reddit. There are a number of plugins, a number of scripts. It was not difficult to find one to change your entire post history. And for that reason, it would surprise me very little if Reddit has secretly changed their back end so that now they store every revision. However, they're not displayed publicly. And more importantly, uh, you know, but the, the simple act of defiance. Now, I, I've never been a particularly prolific poster on Reddit. There's probably 1,500 posts total in seven years. It's not a hell of a lot. Uh, but I've at least done my part to make the Reddit archive less valuable by removing content. And anybody who stumbles across one of these by searching and finding a thread is going to at least acknowledge that uh, you know some people might be unhappy, at least until they delete my account and make all of my posts invisible. Right, and maybe which, that'll happen. Which is an issue, though, when you take part in threaded conversations, because then there's just a big hole in the conversation, which is usually pretty obvious. But you know that's silence. People, man, when they want to silence you, it doesn't matter. They'll do whatever they have to do. And Reddit was in the news. I mean, the great cesspool that is Reddit. Did you see the story? Tucker Carlson, allegedly his lead writer, has been on Reddit spewing horribly racist things for years under a pseudonym and Wait, was racism dumb on Tucker. You mean you mean the leftists were right? I don't know. Maybe in this case, the I, the lead writer or one of the lead writers. I mean, again, these shows have a bunch of writers that uh, now it's also an interesting thing because, of course, he was under a pseudonym and said enough things that people could put this story together and that i know adam curry on no agenda they mentioned it briefly yesterday seemed to have the same thought i did which you know what i could see this happening this kind of makes sense but i'm leaving open the possibility that somebody was just planting this stuff meaning again it's not hard to find out you know the college he went to you know, the name of his dog, whatever it is, whatever the information, these little Easter eggs that have been dropped over the last whatever amount of time that led these people to figure out who this was in air quotes, it wouldn't be hard to do. Again, if I wanted to start posting stuff as you, I would have a base to do that upon. You know, I'd complain about Governor Inslee. I would say things that I've heard you say, or at least in the same way. And you can pretty easily build a public persona. I believe that could point to somebody else entirely. And I'm not convinced that's not what happened here. But I could also believe that somebody would have those viewpoints and think they could get away with it. So I don't know what the truth is here. I don't really care. But it's an interesting question when it goes to how much this guy is going to be punished. Again, he, this is under a pseudonym. So unless he actually comes out and says, yeah, that's me, there's no proof that it's actually him. So what do you do? Well, under cancel culture, there is only one penalty for even the lightest of transgressions, which is complete and utter removal from society. You must obey. Um, 
I, I mean, you, your, your comment about, uh, you know, maybe a false flag sort of thing, trying to set up fake accounts under somebody else's name. Um, you, you don't know about Darren O'Neill at Reddit, do you? No, I don't. Cause okay. I'm not on yeah. Reddit. Yeah. Oh, that, that, so you think everybody will think it's the Irish boxer and he'll kick their ass. Yes. <laughs> He's it works. It's always good to have the second most popular person with your name, be an Olympic boxer. Cause that's just like, I don't want to mess with that guy. Yeah. Well, the, the most, most popular person with my name is, is a total jerk because <laughs> it's you. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, so uh, as long as uh, we're talking about uh, show notes and paywalls, I just want to, uh, I, I want to respond to a couple of comments that I've received about the show notes that I give. Um, I drop links in the show notes because it, I, I, I like to think that it's useful for some people. Um, I don't have to, I write my own notes and then I save my notes and then nobody else gets to hear them. And if we, you know, if, if I did a crap load of research on a story and we don't get to it on the show then uh screw you you don't get to hear about it but but at least i've done research and become a little bit more informed which is really all i want to get out of this show but putting together show notes i'm getting flack because of people who are clicking on the links that i'm dropping in there and then saying oh well this isn't showing me a story it's showing me a paywall and i just want to point out works on my machine (laughs) stop running all of the stop running random third-party code from every single site most of these sites are not trustworthy they don't have your best interests in mind and every single time that you visit a link you are just running whatever code they want to execute on your own machine you matrix just leave scripts off leave styles at, at basic it so much of the web gets a lot nicer I look at articles on Forbes.com if they're what came up in my search for a topic. And I understand that these guys are douches and want to paywall everything or New York Times or or for local stories, Seattle Times. They always, you know, here's what they do. The story is in HTML and then they run a bunch of JavaScript that pops up garbage on top of it that says you can't read this story unless you pay us. And funny thing is if they don't run a script then I guess that pop-up never appears. And so when I click on it, all I see is the story. So if you're going to be using Bemrose show notes to become Bemrose informed, you need to at least consider reading them like Bemrose, which means looking at the part of the web that doesn't have all of the nuisances on it. Fresh off of No Agenda Social, comic strip blogger says, I love it when Sir Bemrose talks about scripts. So there you go. Turn off JavaScript. He also doesn't know the name of our show, so that I, I, I don't really read most of what he says during the show. He knows. He knows. He knows who <laughs> we are. He knows where we are. He's listening. He's enjoying. We just can't say where he is. He is deep in a bunker somewhere over in Europe. But yeah, a lot of people don't realize that you don't even know there is a paywall there because you never see it because you have JavaScript turned off. So if JavaScript yeah. is turned off, boom, it I just works. I don't follow news outlets. I don't follow, you know, I don't. I don't go to, you know, Fox News or MSNBC or Breitbart or or writers and look for stories on their site. Uh, I I usually hear about a story via some kind of social media. Um, No Agenda Social is a big source these days. Thank you, people, by the way. I think you're all awesome there when you drop stories. A special shout out to Martin JJ, who seems to be the first one on every story I find. I don't know what he's trolling, (laughs) Uh, but but I see that there's a story 
And then I go search for it and I look for, you know, the top five stories on it because, you've, you know, here's here's another hint. Uh, every news outlet is biased. And so if I want to get the story, I actually I have to go search for the story across every news outlet. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, my default is news.bing.com. But there's there's a bunch of other news searches and you just find every blog or or rag or tabloid like New York Times that talks about the story. And I click on it and I read it and then I go, OK, I got information. OK, these people, this is their bent, but, you know, they're they're biased in this way. But here I got this information and then I pull all that together and that becomes my notes. And yeah, you you're right. Half the time when I'm clicking on this, especially from a search engine. I don't even care what the masthead says, and I sure as heck don't know whether or not it's trying to run JavaScript to force me to pay or sign up for their email list or anything. Why would I ever want that crap? I just want the text of the story and I get it. You want the gist of what's going on and something that I recommend for everybody to do a couple of times a week when you run across a story where you go, you know what? This doesn't quite seem right. There's something weird about this story which is what happened when I did that story on Rachel Brummert, the chick who claimed she got the coronavirus from just getting groceries delivered. If there is somebody's name mentioned in the story, especially if it is a name that's a little different, you know, John Smith isn't going to work that good. But in the case of Rachel Brummert or some of these other stories, go and do a new search for that name and see what pops up. And you'll be amazed when you see how this new system that we have going in the in the world right now works because it really is 95, 99% of the time, one seed story that's put up somewhere. And it could be a crazy blog. It could be a local news station, something like that. And it will then spread out to the CNNs and the MSNBCs and other larger outlets over in the UK and elsewhere. And They basically just take the original story and rewrite it like there's no question that everything in that story was correct. And you see how this stuff spreads across the globe. And it is kind of scary because, you know, if it starts with crap like a computer, you know, crap in, crap out. And and, and if if you want to ascribe more nefarious motives, there's there's always the trick that that Dvorak on No Agenda is always often talking about where that the, the CIA, for example, would like to pull which is they have some kind of story. So they find some news outlet that sounds official, uh, but you know, may or may not be completely uh, above board, but or may or, or, but at least isn't above say taking a bribe for planting a story. And they'll go find like the, the, you know, Ethiopian Sunday times, which is, uh, has a nice official sounding name and they'll plant a story in it. And then the New York Times will come up and have a big, huge story that says, as reported by the Ethiopian Sunday Times, right? and a huge, and then from then on, state everything as if it's fact. And the New York Times didn't research anything, but it's now in the New York Times, so everybody can quote that as, obviously, this is true. Well, there was a, uh, I guess there were a couple articles that were published by this guy I saw a story the other day that and, the author wasn't even real. The best part about that, by the way, is the Ethiopian Sunday Times can though then go issue an update and say this story was confirmed by the New York Times. Right. It goes. It's that uh, complete circle jerk action going on in the mainstream media. And sometimes the reporters aren't even real. There was a photo with this guy 
and I forget what sources had published the stories and people are now looking at the photo that was provided and it looks like it was a deep fake. And you have to ask yourself, anytime you see a story online, how do you know this person they're talking about is real? If it's just a random, like there was a story recently of, well, a guy in his thirties, I think it was, you know, the last thing he told his nurse was, oh, I thought this coronavirus was a hoax. I guess not. You know, and then he died. This unnamed person. It's like, how do you know any of this stuff is real? You know, news is is both more reliable and far more entertaining if you just assume that everybody online is made up fake people uh, and that nothing you read. Everything is fiction. Yes, we are not Darren O'Neill and Ryan Bemrose. No. Well, I'm Ryan Bemrose, but I don't expect you to take my word for it. As no, I, I certainly will not. And in other house but, cleaning stuff, we got just statistically. Statistically, you are far more. Uh, you, I think you are far safer to just assume that anything that you read online is completely made up than you are to believe it wholesale. Yes, verify, verify it from multiple trustworthy sources before you even start thinking. Hey, maybe this is true. I mean, there was a, one of the governors somewhere that was just tested positive for coronavirus. And it's like they had the guy, you know, the, whatever it was, the you know governor of, say, Alaska, you know, at 47 coronavirus. It's like, what does his age have to do with it? people of all ages get coronavirus? I mean, people of all ages aren't dying from it with great numbers, but I don't understand why you're, you know, in the headline had his age. It's like, I don't it doesn't make any sense. But again, this is the fear factor of, oh, you see, he was only in his 40s and you you're you're younger too. see, you could get it. And it's uh, I think that's I think that's part of it. But there's also a a long history for whatever reason I picked up on this when I was a little kid and looking over my dad's shoulder as he read the paper was every single story that mentioned somebody by name always gave their age. And I mean, this was in the 80s and and the viewers. I'm sitting here going, why do I care how old this person was again? And and my dad sits here and says, well, they, you know, it's it's just reporting standards. They always just give the age. Well, I mean, I guess because there might be multiple people with that name, but, you know, there's only one governor. Well, maybe there's not. I don't know. Maybe there's more than one governor to a state now in some states. Who knows how these people run their shit? Well, I mean, if if you if you judge whether or not somebody's qualified, then I don't think there's more than a, a dozen in the whole country right now. Yeah. That is probably true. But in the uh, little bit of housekeeping here, I mean, we accidentally doxed one of our listeners and uh, I'm trying to come up with a better system for people that are especially on the PayPal thing that comes in monthly. I'm going to start a new list. So if you're ever going to contribute and you want to go by a pseudonym, send an email to Darren at GrumpyOldBenz.com and I will respond and verify just so you make sure we got it. With the name that'll show up on your donations, with how you would like it to be read on the show, or if you want it to be read as anonymous. And that way we can have a master list. And if you're on that, before we read anybody's name, we'll check that master list. And if it's on there, the name won't be read. And I was also thinking of doing something like, you know, have the donation end in two cents. And then that way it'll be a sign that you just want it to be anonymous. That could be easy as well. Although then there might be, you know, exchange rates well, are, and all are, this other stuff. Are, uh, I don't say might. I mean, are, are we doing this or not? Because otherwise we'll get somebody sending it expecting anonymity and well, the list, proximity. the list. Yes. What do you think of the two cents? Does that work? Does that make sense? So if you end it in uh, two cents, you're, you don't want your two that, cents thrown in. 
given that it's not my responsibility to uh <laughs> to follow these things closely and and all of the donations tend to go to you anyway um i think that that's uh i i'm perfectly fine with putting in the the expected amount of work <laughs> zero that yeah. is the expected amount of work um so we i could, guess the question is is that something that you want to do i mean certainly because if, 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 i don't if think it keeps if it keeps our experts happier and and makes sure that they get what it is that they want out of the show then i'm all for it yes i mean it'll be nice to get to the point like no agenda where we can just go yeah you know any piddly donation under 50 dollars, not going to read it not going to acknowledge it we'd like to get there not um, quite there yet the two cents i don't think anybody's ever sent a donation with two cents at the end i mean people use 33s and, and stuff like that so i don't necessarily I mean if we do two cents and then somebody wants it read it gets to be a uh it gets to be a whole mess. So, I mean, let's let's start this way. Let's just go with the list. So if you don't want your name read, send me an email with the headline, you know, donation name. And that way we'll put you on a list. And that way we won't have to worry about accidentally doxing people because we don't want to do that. We want to respect the wishes of the people that are supporting the show. But we also want to give props to those who want the props. And you already rejected my my idea that uh, because we know that the experts that donate to this show value privacy a great deal, uh, it, it, you already rejected my idea that we just won't read out any donation over $500. Right. So that would be fair. If you want anonymity, <laughs> then just donate over that amount. And I, I felt like that was pretty equitable. It is an interesting way to go over the the no agenda route. They're going the other way. I mean, you your your way. I mean, it makes sense if everybody wants anonymity. Could be uh, a. Uh, I have be, I have another boom. option. If you want real anonymity and you don't want Darren's blunders to be doxing you accidentally, uh, go ahead and send the money directly to me. And I assure you, Darren won't even <laughs> find out that you donated. Yeah, that's true. See, I don't know why I let you know when we get donations. That's uh, I'm doing this wrong. I mean, there yeah. is Bitcoin. There is we, Bitcoin. We might have. We might. There might be a conversation in the back office later. Yeah, the back office. Aren't they sending? I mean, to be fair, the address where I've been sending all of your payments were to your better half. So, I mean, if you're not getting those, it's not really my fault. I can blame you anyway. You could. So you heard that Michelle Obama now has a podcast. Woohoo! Chicago girl, love <laughs> Michelle. Do you? I do. I mean, hey, okay. Chicago girl gone good. I mean, she wants people to eat healthy. I can back that. I mean, I don't want you to be forced to eat healthy. Uh, and I said, I, I know somebody that knows her pretty well. So, I mean, maybe I can get her on the podcast. She might be a good co-host while you're away. Maybe it'd be a good interview. We could get a scoop. <laughs> I don't I, I don't know if it would be a good interview or not. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting. It's uh, you know, she has been uh, pushing pretty hard for the the publicity. And I, I can't blame her. I mean, you know, th whether she wanted to or not, she became a public figure, so might as well use it. Uh, but the thing about this story that that struck my eye uh, out was uh, it said, uh, let's see, uh, she's starting a podcast. It's going to be a, a regular produced thing. But the two things that about the story that that really caught my attention, one was uh, that they have a staff of 43 to produce this podcast <laughs> wow what <laughs> 43 people to produce um, a podcast well okay here's what i'm guessing 41 writers and one tech guy who knows how to press record 
<laughs> I'm not really sure. I don't know. It didn't say. I just uh, that that felt like that is that is corporate podcasting to a T. And as we know, um, it doesn't work. <laughs> but hey, um, and uh, the other thing that caught my eye is that the podcast will be exclusive to Spotify. Oh, the Joe Rogan uh, experience they, and they, Michelle they Obama have said. And uh, the article I read actually said that it will it, it will be available to Spotify free and premium users for at least the first two months. So they might suggest to me that they might be paywalling it after that. Interesting. Well, I mean, she's I mean, her book sold fairly well. So she has a following. I can see oh. that when we when you go through this whole thing of podcasting, it depends what you want to get out of the podcast. If you're just looking to get the word out about something, if you're looking to uh, get information into the ears of people around the world, you always do it for free, which is a vast majority of the podcast. Now, if you're looking to make money at a podcast, the quickest then, way then to get do into that, another industry. Well, the quickest way to do that, if you want to make money and you already have an audience is to charge for it and not give it away free at all. So I don't necessarily blame her for doing it. It'll just be a question of how many people are wanting her message enough to pay. And it would be I interesting. I don't blame her, but I'm still going to laugh. Yeah. I mean, it depends it's, how well it does. It, it is. Th this is the era of the corporate podcast. And, and this, I mean, this show epitomizes it to a T. You've got uh, uh, release dates. You, you've got a, a set production schedule. You've got 40 plus people working on it. And in order to make your money back, you're going to pay wallet and bet that it will be popular enough. And this is all the antithesis of, of what, uh, you know, Curry and, uh, Weiner, they no uh, the, what, when they invented podcasting. Yeah. I think Dave Weiner, Dave Weiner, I think. Yeah. It, this is the antithesis of what they wanted when they invented podcasting, which is just oh, let's, you know, put stuff out there. Uh, and, you know, they, I don't know. At least what Curry had in mind was, was we want this to be democratized and we want it to be available to any poor schlubs who uh, are, are dudes named Ben on in their day job and just show up to rant on Friday mornings. And it's being completely, you know, Hollywood is dying. I think everybody can see that uh, the the coronavirus lockdown certainly made that a lot worse, preventing people from going out to theaters. But Hollywood has been a corrupt institution for most of my life and have been decaying from the inside from lots of reasons that the Hollywood model. Uh, I mean, the, the most public reason is that their audience is going away as people stop tuning in to the big budget productions and so watching the big budget production companies decide to shift and start putting out big budget podcasts as if the the, the format is the only thing that that they need in order to continue using money the way they have been it's interesting to watch well and there there is such a thing as too many writers and for a podcast i think that's uh if you go over one i mean Zero. I, you know, it's yeah, one. Um, yeah, I can see, you know, if somebody wants, you know, you have somebody on staff I, fact checking, especially if you're going to be delving into the political realm. I mean, fact checkers could be important if you're doing a big podcast, but That's I would worry 
that anybody well we have every tons of fact checkers needs, every podcast needs a troll room full of experts that's yes, all you need that's what we have i mean we went that route it's a much more interesting way to go rather than to pay a staff and they work a lot cheaper and they send okay. us money sometimes so it's great for example i've just been fact checking the troll room right now uh one of our trolls cold acid has said that hollywood was corrupt long before i was around yes absolutely right but you know when you're doing a podcast it'll be interesting to see the format that she's doing but nobody i don't believe can do a podcast and remain authentic with that many writers that's why no agenda works because adam and john they do their own research and they speak their own minds they don't have people writing scripts for them rogan the same way once or maybe he won't be once he gets to spotify they might start slipping him the piece of paper with well you know we're paying you the money so we need you to ask this question or say this thing and that's just gets what in the i way. know of joe rogan he wouldn't put up with that i i don't think he would change his format even for spotify you wouldn't think so but i mean michelle obama is an interesting person even though i disagree with her politically i my wife i you know got her the uh, downloaded the uh, allegedly her autobiography and she's like she seems like a pretty impressive lady just because you disagree politically doesn't mean you shouldn't know the background of these people and their stories and you know where they came from and it seems like she's a very intelligent lady who could probably be president if she wanted to so i give her props for the fact that even though she was being kind of dragged into this year with hey you could be joe's vice president you know kind of glad she said no thanks to that i would you want the job no I certainly would not. I would not want you, any part of that crap. Show. What, what, what is this? Dis, if you disagree politically, you can still respect somebody. You would make a terrible leftist. You know that? I know it, it doesn't make that concept doesn't make sense to me. That is one of the biggest things that's going on on the left right now that I don't understand, which is the total orange man bad things like, you know, Vince Vaughn shaking his hand or Ellen DeGeneres sitting next to George Bush, the younger and this the out, downfall. Uh, you know, the outrage that came out after these things, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. And I've said that for years that, you know, if I was at a White Sox game and there was Barack Obama and like, hey, nice to meet you. Want a beer? Let's talk about baseball. You know, let's talk about anything, but have the conversation. I would never understand the concept of, you know, I would see Barack Obama at the, at the baseball game and be like, oh, you're an asshole. I don't I don't understand that mentality. I really don't. You you wouldn't say that to Barack Obama? No. Because you would say it to me. Well, yeah, but you are an asshole. <laughs> That's the see, And he may be, but, I, you know, again, you'd have to be an asshole to me to say that. So, I mean, kind of like if I said, you know, hey, nice to meet you, Mr. President. And he's just like, hey, I don't want to talk to you. I'd be like, oh, you're a dick. But, you know, otherwise, it's like everybody deserves that, you know, that respect right off the bat. And you can lose it pretty quickly. But I think it would, I think you could learn a lot more sitting down and talking to people that you disagree with than you can yelling into the echo chamber, whether it be Twitter or with a group of friends where you just sit around and bitch about things, you know, talk to somebody on the other side. It could be an eye opening experience. And, you know, unfortunately, as we said, your ideas are so antiquated. I know actually wanting to, uh, to come to an understanding and compromise. I know that will never work in Trump's America because he is such a racist. That's all he does is racist things, except when he's doing things to help all the minorities. And well, let's let's not even talk about the truth, because that doesn't make any sense. No. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Apple has issued a warning that you should not put uh, tape or any kind of covering over the camera on your MacBook. 
Ooh. You, you heard about this one? You know, I've heard about this from you. And I was at first thinking this had to be, you know, like somebody was selling a third party camera cover because they have these things like I have on the the Logitech camera that sits on top of my monitor. They include yeah. a big, bulky plastic thing that goes over to the top and then you can flip the thing down to cover the and, camera. And there are there are certainly plenty of, of third party that, that will, you know, it's like two millimeter thick chunk of plastic that you can slip over it. Uh, Apple has, and, and that's probably the thing that Apple has been talking about, but apparently they have been weathering some bad press by people who have these bulky camera covers and they shut their MacBook and it cracks the screen because, uh, and in Apple's words, uh, if you close your Mac notebook with a camera cover installed, you might damage your display because the clearance between the display and keyboard is designed to very tight tolerances. And I tight tolerances is one thing, but I'm sorry if the force involved in closing your lap, like, like this is just closing the laptop, not closing and then sitting on it or something, right? Just closing somehow cracks the screen. I would say there's a workmanship issue in there too. The screen should be a little more durable than that because these things are not held in a delicate climate controlled display case 24 seven people throw them in backpacks. Uh, and you know, dropping the backpack on the floor uh, or setting it down is going to give you as much force as that. But anyway, uh, apparently the the latest version of the MacBook is has such tight tolerances when they shut the lid. Which, I, admittedly, you know the 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 design of these things is really impressive. The way that when you shut it, it kind of looks like a a flat, solid chunk of metal. And they, I mean, there's almost no seam sometimes, but uh, they are saying that you should not have anything on the camera, not putting a big bulky plastic cover. I even kind of get it's like, take the stupid thing off before you close your laptop. If you're not, if you close your laptop and it doesn't shut right, then maybe I made two things, maybe take the cover off, but also maybe don't force it. But the thing that really got me was when they started saying, you know, some people are trying to put things like post-it notes over the camera and, and you shouldn't do that either. Uh, because it could damage the screen. I'm like oh, post-it note. <laughs> That's excessive. I, I, and I think that the reason the post-it note was brought up was because they can leave some kind of gluey residue and putting gluey residue over a camera. You should probably realize that they putting glue on a camera lens does not help a lot of things, but uh, you know, the, the actual, I, and, and the stories of course were, uh, at least the very first one I came up with was the standard alarmist fair saying Apple thinks that you should never cover your camera, which is utter crap. And uh, the recommendation from Apple, we, which I, I went through and looked at the actual post from them uh, was, well, first of all, they say you shouldn't have to ever cover your camera because the light, the led that comes on next to the camera is reliable at telling you when an app has turned the camera on. And now, that could never be hacked. Don't worry. If you believe that, you have not been an expert on this show. <laughs> yeah, never believe the so, hardware is telling you the truth. Um, but they at least acknowledge that there is a number of corporate policies uh, which actually require you to cover your camera. There's there's a number of companies and organizations out there that say if you have a camera on your laptop, then you know because there might be company secrets, you absolutely have to keep it covered. And in fact, a lot of corp- there are corporate IT departments out there that that issue these covers. And I think that might be who Apple is really complaining about. 
but it says if you must cover the camera for corporate policy, make sure it is quote very thin and does not leave residue and take it off before closing. That would make sense. They're like, I get just where they're coming from. You can still disconnect it if you have to open up the laptop and disconnect the camera. Of course, then you never get the camera back on. But uh, well, you've also voided your warranty and the way that a lot of these things are built these days. Uh, you, you have to use like some glue dissolving reagent just to be able to get inside of the laptop. It's not as easy as you think. The thing that I uh, don't get is the I will tell you, though, if you if you want to permanently re- disable the camera, a Sharpie might be good enough. Well, then, well, this is it. And this is the camera is below the laptop glass. It's not like the camera is its own thing. It's under the glass. So you're telling me that the area that you have to cover, I mean, you say a post-it note, but the reality is these cameras, a little post-it note cut into a one inch by one inch or even smaller little piece would do more than enough to cover up the camera. And that's enough to break the screen. I They say their tolerance is, is such that it is. Uh, I don't have a, a recent MacBook. I don't have the $17,000 that they would charge me for, for a, $1,500 laptop, but so it doesn't come I, I, with windows installed. So you would like that. Well, my, my advice from a very, very long time is that anytime that you get a new piece of hardware, uh, what you need to do is clear off the OEM crapware. And at the time I was working for Microsoft, so I was a total shill. And I said the what you always need to do whenever you get any new computer is clear off the OEM crapware OS that they put on there and put a fresh install of windows on it. And at the time, people always assumed I was talking about a ThinkPad or a Lenovo or Dell or something. But I also meant Mac. Uh, now, I'm, I might say instead of Windows, maybe maybe, uh, you know, a new v- fresh version of Ubuntu or something um, th- there. Are, but but regardless, o- OEM operating systems are something that I've never trusted. And Apple is an OEM operating system. <laughs> Just letting you know. Right. And that is we really need to do a breakdown at some point, although I'm sure people who are much more into the security realm have done this. But as we've talked about here on Grumpy Old Ben's Windows over the last few years, especially has started doing a lot more with telemetry and phoning home and sending your data back to the mothership than ever before. And, you know, it's interesting in a world where people are starting to get a little bit more concerned with the privacy, as I've we talked about what apps you're using to communicate with people using VPNs in order to keep your traffic you know, safe. So your ISP doesn't know what you're doing. If your computer, if the hardware is in your machine is great, but the software that comes with it has telemetry that you can't turn off. Privacy screwed anyway. So, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're only as your computer is only as trustworthy as the software you run on it. And it, it you know, it's uh, the phone, for example, don't, don't go out and install every app you find out there because that means every single one of those vendors has an opportunity to screw over your phone. But even if you don't install any apps at all, uh, if you don't trust Google or Apple, then I mean, you know, if it's Android, then Google is running software on your phone. Uh, if it's if it's iOS, Apple is running software on your phone. And unless you fully trust those companies just as much as you would trust TikTok or whatever other app developer, um, then then your phone is compromised. It's everything about security is who do you trust and who are you willing to open yourself up to? And there's a number of people who absolutely trust Google and Apple between those two. 
I definitely trust Apple a lot more. Um, the only, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't like Google stuff because Google is a straight up evil company that is selling all of the data they can gather about me and generally trying to ruin my privacy. Well, uh, this is why my issues with Apple are, are much, much simpler. And that is that their shit's just way overpriced. Well, it's overpriced, but Apple is going the route that Google, I mean, Google has never really been a place that relied at all on selling hardware. Privacy. They've always been a software company. They've always been a data mining company where Apple for a long time, that's all they were doing was selling the hardware. That was their main bread and butter, whether it was the iPads and the uh, iPhones and the and the computers that they're selling. But now that's moving a little bit in the other direction, but at least Apple still has a pretty vibrant way to make money by selling the hardware and not selling your data. And they've and, they've made a case with the FBI, you know, that we can't do this. Although, again, who do you trust? Do you trust that they really can't see your data or they just want to say they can't? It, it's a matter of of who is the customer. Uh, if if you have an Apple product, then you are Apple's customer. Re- remember that corporations, their entire goal in life is to make money. And for the most part, that means keeping their customers happy. It, co- companies don't do well if they don't keep their customers happy. So it is always in their best interest to keep their customers happy. So what's wrong with Google? You're not their customer. You're their product and they have no interest in keeping their product happy, just keeping their product around with Apple. At least if you buy directly from them, you're the customer and they have some incentive to keep you happy, which is by the way, I I used to use this argument with Microsoft as well, because for a long time, you were the customer when you purchase a Microsoft product, especially if you purchase Microsoft Windows. Um, I stopped making that argument about the moment that they started putting ads in the U.S., Yes. Oh, yeah. And that is a uh, unbelievable switch in the way they're doing business, really, when it comes down to that, where you own the software and we're going to use this as an opportunity to put ads in your face. With that said, Apple, you know, you better trust them because the people that buy into the Apple ecosystem, usually it's a multi-pronged thing, meaning you have the laptop or if you're a professional that you might have their their. The, the Mac Pro, which is an unbelievably cool computer, but I think they start at like six or seven thousand bucks. But you have usually an Apple laptop, you have an Apple iPad, you have an Apple iPhone and you have an Apple iWatch. And between those, everything is synced between them. So you immediately know that if you're on your laptop and you're searching, oh, you're on Grumpy Old Ben's cool. And then I like, close that down. I go out on the road, I pull up my phone, and it's like, oh, look, it's on Grumpy Old Ben's website because I was on, the, on my laptop. You know they have access to all your data, everything oh, yeah. you and, do. And and here on Grumpy Old Ben's in, in recent episodes, we we discussed a particularly horrifying uh, potential exploit where if, you, if you're logged into your Mac or your iPad and you copy a password out for, say, your bank to paste it into a web form, then Apple will helpfully copy that text of your password over to your iPhone where any app that's installed and running, which is I mean, if an app is installed, you have to assume it's running at some point, can just pull that up and send it out to a database somewhere. And now your password is uh, taken out of your clipboard. Um, you know, uh, LinkedIn got caught for that. Reddit got caught for that. TikTok was the the poster child for doing this. But I, 
every app, every app that can, they, they learned how to do it. They're like, yeah, we'll totally just steal your clipboard data. That, that was some frightening stuff. And, and that I think was, uh, a, a feature that was designed and had unintended consequences combined with, uh, a, an API design flaw, but it's not easy to fix. And if you're trusting Apple with all of your stuff, well, at the very least, you should probably turn off the password sharing or the, the clipboard sharing feature. But, but that's me. Yes. The more you can turn off like JavaScript, the better you are. But tell us about the story of the UK cops using AI to find porn, because I thought the headline grabbed me on that one and I teased it in the newsletter. So I want to make sure we get that before. Uh, the, so the the uh, British police, uh, it doesn't say where, um, but this is this is uh, in, in their their deep law enforcement laboratory where they they try to they're trying out new features um in this particular case they are working uh with quote silicon valley providers and i searched i wasn't able to find this maybe some of our experts can figure out which company but i'm betting it starts with a g and ends with an e uh their silicon valley providers are uh providing ai to find porn and I guess this is because and I'm I'm not entirely up on the rules, but apparently porn is illegal in Britain. There was there was one part in, in an article by Gizmodo where they use the phrase child porn, but nothing else that I found suggested that that was the purpose they were listening, looking for. I mean, it's a convenient excuse because won't somebody please think of the children. Right. But, well, we talked about that in grumpy old bands oh, quite a few episodes ago. Remember, they were trying to have you register to view porn. Yeah, the UK. I, yeah, there the uh, last year wasn't it? There was some rule that was coming up where if if you don't register and put yourself on a list, that your ISP was required to block all pornography from your system. Yes. Which, as far as I'm concerned, is is as big a violation of free speech as you can get. Uh, and you know, of course, because porn is something that I like, um, it it offends me personally. And if I'm offended, then uh, doesn't that mean something? Maybe. Probably not. Anyway, so the police are now trying to crack down on this. And uh, the the quote from the minister was uh, the uh, trying to have humans look at all Internet content is both prohibitive and mentally jarring. <laughs> I, I <laughs> well, I mean, if this goes back I, to that story. Remember Facebook, the people that they were hiring to be like moderators and stuff were like, I have PTSD, man. I've seen yes. shit. I've seen yes. really bad shit. So they, they really want a machine to do this, to look at every single. I, I, I don't know. Are, are they really purporting to look at every bit of data that comes in and out of the UK? Yes. Uh, if, if they are, by the way, get a VPN. Seriously, people, you do not need that level of, of ISP or, or government-based scrutiny. Uh, this is becoming the great firewall of Europe at this point. Yes, well, uh, if they're was, using something like that to look at every image or every video that you share with people, that just means it doesn't matter what you're sharing. That could be your kid's birthday party. They're going to be looking at it. They're going to be scanning it. And who knows where that is going to go? So the the AI that they're using, they they have moved it into the second phase of testing. But uh, the other quote that I uh, was uh, 
For some reason, lots of people have screensavers of sandy deserts and it picks it up thinking it's skin color. So if, if you've ever seen like a, a, a desktop background of, of sand dunes, right? The AI thinks that because, because it's roughly tan color and because it's got gentle curves, that that is porn, <laughs> that that's a nude. Um, that's not a good AI. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of what I think of is, is look, you know, scrolling through a feed and looking at thumbnails only. And I could see that if, if you know, having uh, a, a, a female figure laying on her side, well lit and you get the, the gentle slopes and curve and the, the tan color. And now you look at it as only a thumbnail and you put that right next to a picture of sand dunes. I could kind of see it. <laughs> they need to teach the AI better. I, I think that, yes, that was kind of the point of the article. Um, I, I actually get a different lesson out of this, which is that maybe they need to not be scanning and censoring all Internet traffic on the going in and out of the entire country. Uh, but that's not really I mean, that that's not the point made by the article. Well, it is because this is, you know, accidentally telling you the truth that they believe Big Brother is the answer to all of this stuff. And this is what happens when you have insanity in the world that thinks you can stop crime before it happens. And this is we can have less police and that, that'll make less crime. This is thought police 110 percent. I mean. Whether you like porn or not, as long as it's not kitty porn, and I mean children, not cats. I mean, if you want cat porn, I don't know the legality where you uh, are. If, if you want, if you want cat porn, go go contact Dame Bemrose. She has a lot of it. You know, it's it's a legal thing that you don't have to participate in. And it, if you're going to be living in a country that's going to be scanning all of your correspondence because of it, you might want to be questioning where your freedom is actually going because. There are Absolutely. people out there who want to silence all sorts of things. So whether you like porn or not, it may just be the first stone that they're stopping. And the next stone down might be something you like. So then what? Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, the next stone down is is political talk. And yeah. that's already happening in lots of places in the UK. And it's also happening in China, which is only about two steps farther in this implementing a firewall that covers all traffic for the entire country this is this is a very dangerous slippery slope uh <clears throat> i wanted to call out the the gizmodo article also uh gave it, it was it was decidedly anti-ai and i i'm not sure if if the gizmodo author here was thinking that the the brits should just continue doing it manually and hiring half the population of the country to watch every picture that ever comes across the internet. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, they linked a, a bunch of other Tom examples. Um, and some of these, I didn't even know about uh, like, did you know that sometime in 2019, there was an incident where Twitter censored the word bisexual. I did not know that. I, it, it apparently the, there was a, a scandal where for a couple days, their content filter censored the word bisexual saying that you can't use this or something like that and it got a whole lot of pushback from the trans community saying it was transphobic and the moment that it offended somebody on the left twitter backed it out immediately 
um let's see uh google uh they 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 called out an issue where google uh you remember uh steven paddock um yeah he was the he was he was uh according to the official reports he was the shooter right the vegas shooter yes uh Apparently, and this I didn't even know, I didn't follow this. Uh, there was a 4chan story uh, or a 4chan area where they came up with the idea that his name was actually Geary Danley. And they, they had they had doxed this guy. And I have no idea if it was true or not. But the scandal was that if you did a Google search for the words Geary Danley, Google did not censor it. And that meant that Google was spreading misinformation about the Mandalay Bay shooting. (laughs) So because because if you did a search for that exact term, it linked you to the 4chan uh, discussion. So that Google was not censoring was a huge scandal because the Google algo did not censor this thing that was called misinformation. Uh, The Twitter algo censored the word bisexual and they it was screwed up because somebody thought that bisexual is perfectly fine in fact it's a perfectly valid gender i guess um and then the the other example was uh a face bag censored a photo this one uh you're, you're gonna love this because you've you've mentioned child porn a couple times there was a pulitzer winning photo of a naked young girl running from a napalm attack um the the photo was lauded as great journalism but because it had a naked girl in it, Facebag's uh, algorithm censored it. Now, why do I bring up all three of these examples? Well, the the story, the the article, the author from Gizmodo follows up and and ends the article with this thought provoking line: "says machines lack the ability to understand human nuances." No kidding. All three of those art- er, stories. Those aren't human nuances. Those are human double fucking standards. You have told your machine to block this category of stuff that you decided was objectionable, except that you forgot to tell your machine about these tiny carve outs that because of purely political reasons are okay. Well, that's not nuance. That's that's a total lack of of rational consistency on the part of people making these arbitrary rules and then deciding to censor free speech in order to enforce them. That is the AI doing exactly what you said when you don't even have a clue what you want your own rules to be. You you, you have decided that, well, I feel that this is okay and this is bad. And so I'll just tell the AI to do that. And when the AI does the perfectly logical, rational thing of doing exactly what you told it to. Suddenly it's a giant scandal because you didn't have a fucking clue what you were talking about when you told the AI to do something. And that is why AI is really, really dangerous is because the people who are telling the AI what to do are just reacting to whatever they feel, because that is how policy is made in this day and age. And if you ever wondered why I don't trust AI, it's not because I don't trust computers. It's because I don't trust the people running them. Garbage in, garbage out. That's what you're getting in this case. The thing, if it's, you know, if you're just looking at photographs, if it's able to notice something in a photograph, 
it and to be fair, it doesn't understand nuance. It's computers are completely black and white. It's on or off. When it looks at something, does it qualify for these things that have been programmed in? It goes down the line and says, does it have this, this, this? And if so, if the score is high enough, then we block it and say it can't be viewed. So there is nuance if you're like, well, you know, there's a difference between a nude photo taken of this and a nude photo taken of that. The computer is not going to be able to tell the difference. Also, when it comes down to something like that, if you're going on legality, technically a naked photo of a girl a minute before she turns 18, child porn. 60 seconds later, you snap a photo. It's legal. How is a computer going to tell the difference between those things? It can't. It can never understand that. It can never be accurate and stuff like that, which is why you need humans involved to make rational decisions that we've learned humans aren't rational anymore. That's yeah, that that's a frightening. I'm not sure humans are all that much more reliable. The, I, I think that the lesson here is not that you need humans for pattern matching your arbitrary, stupid rules, but maybe that we need to make our rules less arbitrary so that they can be followed without inadvertently violating them just on a technicality. Yes. Well, no, that's absolutely true. The most interesting of those stories, though, is the one which is you're going to be held liable for not censoring something. That is the ultimate slippery slope situation, which is your company could be held liable or personally responsible, which means it can cost you a lot of money or maybe you go to jail because you didn't censor something. Wow. Um, you know, I'm going to need more time to wrap my brain around that concept. Yeah, the 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 that Gizmodo article, I I had my jaw on the floor for most of the article, both at at the ridiculousness of the people that they were reporting on, but also at, at the complete obliviousness of the author to some really obvious points like like this isn't AI's failure, this is the failure of the impossible rule set you've set out to try to enforce. It, it, there there is no AI in the world that will ever be able to consistently enforce an inconsistent rule set. No. And there is talk of that great firewall of Europe, which I thought was interesting. Uh, I thought we're all supposed to be one world. Everything's coming together. Why are we, why are we doing stuff like this? You know, why is people are scared? Yeah. They're scared, I guess. And when you are, that leads you to make decisions that maybe aren't the best. You get things like defund the police. And I thought this was, hilarious and sad i mean all at the same time more sad than hilarious but this is grumpy old ben's and we call it and when it happens you know sometimes you take a little glee even if it's through the pain of others which is uh there's an article from breitbart i'll put it in the show notes there was a neighborhood in minnesota right near where the george floyd killing happened where the white liberal people that lived there decided that they were no longer going to call the police over things And now there have been uh, three sexual assaults in the neighborhood and the homeless have moved in and taken over their park so their kids can no longer play in the park. So, I mean, there is the whole defund the police. Yay. And uh, you have consequences. People (laughs) understand the consequences. That's all I think we have to say about that to our audience, because the experts understand when a whole neighborhood gets together and goes, you know what? We're not going to call the cops anymore. That crime is going to go up. Why? Because people are still going to commit crime, believe it or not. Well, they they do. Um, I I think that the the crime rate, if you want it to go down, then uh, you you need to have a well-armed neighborhood and and publicize it. You just you you know, the thing is, cops are only a partial disincentive to crime. 
because without dedicating a an unreasonable portion of your economy toward policing, uh, which itself can have other unintended side equi- side effects, th- the simple fact is cops cannot be everywhere at every time. So enforcement is only a partial disincentive. And yes, if if you know for sure that cops are not going to enforce laws, then crime will go up. That that is uh that is definitely a shift in the incentive structure. And I think you made by the way, you made that point very, very well on uh random thoughts last week. Anybody should definitely go listen to that. Um I, I feel like you should have made that on Grumpy Old Ben's where you tried, but uh, <laughs> you know, I <clears throat> I, what what do I know? Maybe you know you're you're intimidated by my expertness. No, it's but, just getting a word in edgewise sometimes. <laughs> um, the the more complete disincentive toward people engaging in crime in your neighborhood is you need to make it not worth their while. And one of the best ways to do that is to have it well understood that say. There's a loaded gun by the door in every household. Um, that that is a way. That is that is not the only way. But uh, cops are a centralized resource and necessarily have to be allocated according to central planning. And as every example of socialism in the world will show, central planning always fails at the margins. So how do you fix it at the margins in your individual neighborhood? decentralize how do you decentralize every single person in your neighborhood has to be prepared to defend themselves and then and and you know the the easiest way to do that is for everybody to own a gun and be trained in how to use it right and then suddenly breaking into somebody's house carries a level of risk that is really not worth it for a stereo or or a dvd player or what 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 do people even steal today nobody steals hi-fi or well, yeah, the, the, the phones can't even really work because they'll get turned off. Uh, so they're maybe looking for money, but I don't know if anybody has cash, sure. jewelry. But, uh, but this but is I mean, if 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 you're deciding what, that you want to go into a house and and rob it and then burn it down, are you going to try uh, the house where you know that all guns are banned and therefore there aren't any? Or are you going to go into the neighborhood where everybody's packing? I think you go where less people have guns which would seem to prove every point that the right has been pushing lately and disprove what the left has when it comes to gun control. Ted Nugent has been making that case for a long time, which is the areas with the most concealed carry have the least violent crime. It makes sense. There is a cause and effect in New York right now. Crime is way up for a couple of different reasons. One, defund the police. and They just got rid of their violent crimes unit. But two, Governor Cuomo signed the law that doesn't have bail required for a vast majority of these people, including the guys that took a chain and hit a police chief over the head with it the other day at a protest, do the air quotes, and was immediately back on the street, wasn't even held. So you're right. The concept is the police can't be there for every crime, so they can only be that much of a a deterrent. And even more so to that, even if the police are there, if you know you're just going to get booked, even if you get caught and you'll be back on the street in a half hour, where's the deterrent in that? It makes no sense unless uh, you want suburbs. crime to run rampant, right? Well, that, and, and I think maybe that's the difference between inner city and suburbs these days. One of them wants 
One of them will book you and then send you off to the state prison. And the other one wants crime to be rampant. Maybe. I don't know. Yes. But they want to say, you know, that way, the less police, the crime will go down because I'm just guessing maybe nobody will get caught. So you won't have those stats. There's no stats on crime if it's not reported and the neighbors are afraid to report it in a lot of these areas. And it is. It is something that as I get older, the more angry I become when I see stuff about kids getting shot here in Chicago. It just happened recently in New York as well. And nobody doing anything about it. I mean, there's one thing when you're like, okay, gang members, you know, if a couple 18 year old kids are shooting at each other and they're in gangs and one of them dies, I don't feel bad. They chose that. But when innocent kids are getting in the crossfire, and nobody is saying anything, it pisses me off. And I wonder if the same thing would happen in these neighborhoods that if somebody got out of the SUV, like it happened at that, uh, this was in the Bronx where the one-year-old got shot over the 4th of July. Now, if two guys got out of the SUV and the kid was at a party with a bunch of family members, you know, sitting outside having a barbecue, Rather than having the 10, 20, 30, however many people were outside at this barbecue. I mean, Jay Hensley wouldn't like a that many people in one place. But these two guys get out of their SUV and open fire. Rather than having these 30 people all jump out of the way and just hit the deck. If all 30 pulled out their own pieces and turned around, crime would be a lot less overall in oh, yeah. these areas. And I think that that might be the root of of what we, we got so animated about last week, which uh, was was great radio but maybe not so good for coming to a solution which is uh i i think ev- all experts agree that defunding the police is a tremendously stupid idea because you're inviting all kinds of increases in in crime the you know po- police actually believe it or not do have an effect at deterring crime when they're allowed to do their job uh i i still maintain that there is a conversation to be had about uh the militarization but the point that i'm going to leave here is that uh police are not a panacea panacea however that's pronounced i believe Um, panacea okay i'll go with that police are not a panacea they are they are not the end all be all uh having a police department does not make crime go away it does reduce it but everybody needs to take responsibility in this country you know what? I should just end it there. People yes. take some responsibility, but people need to take responsibility for their own protection because the police are not liable. If you get shot, uh, they, they in good police, which most of them are, will try their hardest to help you out. But there is always a resource problem. And the only person who is guaranteed to be there when you are being the victim of a crime is you. And therefore, it makes sense for you to have some responsibility and some agency to try to protect yourself and being armed and trained how to use it is a really good way to do that. Yeah. And I can't tell you, even here in Chirac, where, of course, the mayor is saying we just we need more federal gun laws because that that would solve the problem. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard. Yeah. From uh, here's, here's the federal gun law. Everybody is required to be armed at all times. That would be better because I can't tell you how many stories that I've heard from people within the Chicago city limits that were having a problem, either whether it was domestic or they're being hassled by somebody who's threatening them. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that the police officers that responded to the call 
gave them the same advice you just did, which was get a gun and learn how to use it. Even though it's illegal in Chicago, people have told yeah. the story countless times. And I'm like, wait, but you then they're like, you know what? You, you'd rather have to go to court and explain why you had a gun when this person came to attack you and you shot them rather than be attacked and killed. Yeah. I, and everything I just said goes double for the inner cities like Chicago, where your city government does not give a crap whether you live or die. And so if you care, you need to be the one to take responsibility for making sure that it goes the way you need. Yes. Their Marxist policies are all that's really interesting uh, to them, not your life. And it, I will for some homework. It, it goes back to the the conclusion that I came to when when having a discussion with a, a socialist where the the disconnect that we were not able to get past is uh, as you know, as an individualist, uh, I believe that society exists to serve the individual. Uh, however, collectivists like Marxist, socialist, communists tend to have the opposite belief that individuals exist to serve the state. And the moment that an individual is no longer of use to the state or has, you know, is out, outlived their usefulness or, or just they, they, there is no hesitation. The state does not care if they are going to jettison an individual, because if, if the state is able to continue on uh, and society exists, you know, that they have absolutely no, no qualms whatsoever with just saying, oh, well, then, uh, you know, you're you're not useful to society. You can die now. And you and Bill O'Reilly, the great Bill O'Reilly, are on the same page here because he was recently talking about this is the reason why the left is against Christianity, because Christianity believes in private property. And of course, the left believes in Marxism now and that believes in no private property. And that's the biggest problem that they have with religion. But I'm going to give some homework here. Uh, and uh, this is a link that I got from Steve Pachanek on Twitter going down this same concept of defund the police. It's a fun article to go read that a Black Lives Matter protest leader. Steve Pachanek is always a fun read. He is it, a Black Lives Matter protest leader who uh, had a, uh, you know, led one of these defund the police rallies arrested on child porn charges. So, I mean, who, why do you want to defund the police? Well, you know, you got that child porn stash. I guess maybe uh, yeah. that 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 is, in fact, incentive to defund the police. If if you know that they're going to be coming for you, especially if they ever get this A.I. online. Yes. I mean, so you have to understand why do people want to defund the police? Why do they want to do the stuff they're doing? You know, do the homework. That's it. Do the work. Find out, you know, the reasons behind people are doing what they do. But we do have people that support the show and we greatly appreciate that. And today, no exception to that. Coming in number one today, our buddy Sir Netned with forty oh four. There's got to be a uh, there's got to be a secret message behind that, but uh, not a bad one for show seventy seven. He says, "Keep the grumpy going." So I guess that's probably pointed at you to keep the grumpy uh, maybe. going. Actually, uh, if it came in after last show, I you you were the <laughs> one who. <laughs> I wasn't even sure I could compete and I'm an expert. That is true. But I've noticed even over at random thoughts when I do the shows that are a little bit higher amped. I mean, I kind of think try to go full Bemrose, have a few extra cups of coffee, get that energy level and get that anger level up. I notice even like over on podcast addict, there's people adding the show that week. So there's something to be said 
that is you know totally against the NPR concept, which we've never embraced of the. Wow. Are you talking about the the people with zero energy who talk yeah. in ASMR and podcast like they need, it, and this is why they need. 40 people working on the podcast because this audio is really, really hard to clean up. Yes, I, I totally disagree with you. And I need 42 writers to tell me why. And I'll let you know after this break. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how NPR does it. You know, it's like I we want a little bit of the, you know, one, the entertainment value. But you want the emotion, like I said, with the Michelle Obama podcast, with 42, 43 writers, whatever it is. Can you be? authentic and i wouldn't listen to her podcast if it's authentic i'm interested in all sorts of different things so i'll check it out if it's going to be free although i should i don't want to install spotify but i know there's this thing called the internet and piracy and we'll figure out yeah. a way also was, who who was it was it i think it was george burns maybe or might have been uh, uh might have been a groucho marx or at least all attributed him he had a lot of quotes was uh that authenticity is the key to show business once you can fake that, you got it made. <laughs> you know, that may be true. That may be true. But it was when our buddy Larry over at that Larry show convinced me to, to go into the solo podcasting route. And I start doing a couple of things of, you know, a couple of the episodes of Random Thoughts. And he made a comment when he was uh, pimping it on one of his shows that I was authentic. And it's like I had never really thought about it a whole lot in that guise of podcasting until he said it. And that really struck with me, which is, you know, you're right. There are people that are doing podcasts that you can tell are phoning it in, or they're just trying to be funny and they're not. And when you start going down the line to the people that the podcast and stuff that I follow, you know, guys like Kevin Smith or Penn Jillette, even if they're on completely different styles, and even if they talk about completely different things, the people that appear authentic are the ones that are the most interesting. And so that was a you hell know, of that, a compliment from Larry. Uh, uh, Larry knows how to pay a hell of a compliment. You know, I think that might be my problem though. On this show is that uh, I, I am only playing a character. I'm only playing <laughs> like I'm some angry anarchist freak. And uh, it, it shows people are seeing right through me. And yeah, I know when I talk to uh, your wife, Lisa, she says you're much angrier off the podcast. So I don't know why you're toning it down for us. Uh, I had to be radio safe. <laughs> you are. If, that, if there is one thing you're not, it is radio safe. There's always one of those guys and our buddy cold ass. It is always one of those guys in his monthly subscription came through this week. And we appreciate that cold acid and our buddy Harry Hamster back yet again with a simple message. And a 444 donation. See, now that's kind of weird, right? 4004 and a 444 today. And his message was just screw Starbucks. So I don't know what they did to him, but uh, we agree. Uh, they, they, they hurt you. <laughs> show us on the doll where Starbucks hurt you, Harry yeah. Hamster. Show, show us in the latte art. Where, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's better coffee than Starbucks. There's no question about it. I've just uh, got is. a box of mods. I mean, I know you think. That people with the cake cup machines are just lazy bastards who won't go through the process of making a real cup of coffee. And you're right. And I'm a lazy bastard who just wants to have a quick cup of coffee. And well, that's I, I, not the reason why I think you're a lazy bastard. There's so many reasons. It's hard to go down that list. I get it. But the mods tall, dark and handsome it actually seems pretty damn good. So uh, that that's a plus. And I always look at Amazon uh -huh. for the coffee. And if it's under like 30 cents a K cup, that's what I'm going to try because I'm cheap. Well, honestly, my, my two primary objections to the K cup machines is, uh, first of all, DRM. Do I need to say any more than that? 
Oh man. Uh, the the other is that they are nearly impossible to clean. Well, the, you put the, vinegar the in. The cleaning them. instruction says you put vinegar and run it through there. Well, after uh 7 or 8 years of scaling, uh even the vinegar couldn't be pumped through this thing. No. And if I had the ability to open the tanks and and scrub the tubes, then I could have probably, you know, taken it out with a brush, which is what I do with my regular coffee pot. You know, or you could but just clean it more than once every eight years. I don't understand. <laughs> Lazy right back at you. <laughs> but we thank all of those. Sir Net Ned, Cold Acid, Harry Hamster. You are all officially grumpy old Ben's experts in whatever you want to be. That's the beauty of it all. So are you ready to get off the grid now? Yes, I am. I am leaving uh, in about an hour. In fact, uh, we are headed off to. Uh, the the sunnier and drier and uh, uh, much warmer half <laughs> of the state of Washington. I didn't know uh, there was uh, such a thing. Well, uh, you know, a lot of people believe that the state of Washington is just one climate, which is cold and dreary and crappy and raining all the time. And I want people, if if you are thinking of moving here, that is how it is. And just shut off the podcast now because the, the weather will never be any better. But uh, there's a mountain range right through the middle of the state, and it's only the left half of the state that is like that. And the eastern half of the state is pretty much all desert because the mountains block all the rain that comes on shore. It's one of the reasons it rains so much on the west side is because all the clouds that are moving in from the Pacific hit the mountains and then drop their load right there. Give me the whole Uh, load. Yes, they do. So the other half is a desert and is 95 degrees during the day is the the forecast, which I know is not much if you're in Chicago right now, but it's a dry heat and we're going to be next to a lake and I am going to be sipping cocktails and uh, a beer, whatever, whatever. The, really, honestly, if there's something alcoholic nearby, I'm probably going to be stuffing it in my face Zima. and dipping my feet in the lake and diving off of it. Yeah. So. Um, and, uh, all surrounded by very, very dry, hot July desert and it's going to suck, but you know what? I'm going to power through. And more importantly, I am not even going to have any electronics. So I will catch you in about a week. How will we know if you were arrested? Will Bamlet let us know? Well, maybe unless you're arrested together. And then there's, I to tell you what, if I'm going <laughs> to get arrested, I will make it spectacular enough to make national news. How oh, about that? See, now that is very helpful. So we're assuming that your next show live here on the No Agenda stream will be Monday, the 27th. Is that correct? Uh, that is an option. Yes. Okay. That is an option. And then uh, Wednesday, the 29th, we are scheduled to do the swap cast with the guys over at Grimerica. And I've heard that. I believe it was what? Three uh, thirty. Your some, time some point in the evening. Yes. Yeah. So three 30, your time, five 30, my time, six 30 Eastern. And we'll thinking we're going to also stream that live as we're doing it on the no agenda stream. And then maybe have a little fun as we get ready for Nick, the rat that night. So it, the last week of July should be a whole lot of fun on the no agenda stream. And we hope you have a good vacation. And you do, if you go to jail, if you're getting hassled by the cops, one, make sure it makes national news and two, make sure there's at least two or three Karens running video so we can fully document this for for the oh, experts. Yeah. I, I said I'm shutting off all my electronics, but the very possibility that anybody else in our party 
would not be uh, compulsively checking their Instagram every 30 seconds is low. So, oh, so you're, you're actually going to be that, in an area that has cell coverage. You're just avoiding. Well, it. The, the, I, I said it's a desert. I didn't say that it was the wilderness. <laughs> I, okay, so now what I'm, I'm kind of seeing instead of tents, I'm seeing an RV loaded with margarita machines and refrigerators. And uh, well, yeah, I wouldn't want to rough it too much. <laughs> I will be in a tent. Uh, plenty of other people are taking RVs, uh, and and just uh, just to make sure that I've got the real roughing it, I might run an extension cord to my tent. <laughs> That's the epitome of glamping. Well, have fun, and until next time. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America where there's an air advisory. But you know what? I never leave the house. And from America's left coast, where I'm off to the desert with my AI to go pound some sand. I'm Ryan Bemrose. (laughs) 